Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today's podcast is about something that I personally don't experience uh, probably, I would say, almost never, (laughs) but it is very common and I know good friends and clients and relatives who have experienced this. And I went to a lecture about a week and a half ago on this, the prevalence of this particular um, condition in young people, children. And it was the number one biggest factor um, that affects young people today. And 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 I should say almost all populations as well, um, age-wise. And it is anxiety. Anxiety. It was really hard to hear some of the facts about it. This lecture was talking about how if you, if we took all of the kind of conditions that would be considered a pre-existing condition, if you had health insurance and it was, and you lost it, and then you um, had been treated for different conditions or diseases or disorders, and then you were trying to get your another set of health insurance and you had this pre-existing condition, the number one of the um, pre-existing condition would be anxiety. Um, it was ahead of like COPD and other things like that. It was that prevalent. So it is something that is, it, it's important we talk about and we, it's important we learn what we can do about it and how we can help others. And this is not by any means a medical chat about it. It's just more a calling to to inquire what it what is 
what are some of the things that could cause it? And and so I did some reading more on my own after this this really fascinating lecture because I just couldn't fathom how how so many people are affected by it. And I do know from personal experience of running a studio and teaching so many people over the years, just really thousands and thousands of people from traveling and the studio and, and teacher trainings and all, all that, 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 that what I have found to be helpful is movement, of course. And, and I'll, I'll tap into that in a minute, but first let's just talk about what is, what is anxiety, right? So there, anxiety is different than stress. Okay. So the terms that this, this gentleman used last week, that there is fear, which means there's an actual threat. You know, there is, and I gave a podcast on fear. So in part, and there was an an acronym for that. And it was, is it a fact? Is it envy, anger, or regret, which are other emotions or states of being that can cause fear and and attribute to it. But there, the fact is, you know, if there's a lion coming after you, that, that, that there's real imminent threat there. So that is fear that that is legitimate. So fear is 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 one state of being. Anxiety is when you have a perceived or believed threat. You you have anxiety. So it not it's not necessarily this actual threat. And then stress is activates anxiety. So there's there's things about stress, the state of stress that can really contribute to the way we respond. Now, one thing that he talked about that I was kind of aware of, but it really made sense when I thought of kids that I know, is that there are we there are um, some genetic nature um, pathways, so to speak, what we're born with that can predispose us to having more or less anxiety. And there is this thing called biological sensitivity. And he gave the example of a kid who doesn't like labels, has to have the labels cut out, has a lot of tactile um, particularness. And then that could that could be seen in other ways too. You know, a kid that has a lot of allergies right? These could be sensitivities that set you up for having um, a predisposition to have being more anxious. And there's personality types that he talked about that, that, um, you know, ones that like to please and avoid conflict and that have, um, need a lot of structure or prefer structure and are very responsible and perfectionist have a difficulty relaxing and avoid conflict. So these are personality traits that set that also kind of predispose you to having anxiety. Again, you're not going to necessarily have anxiety if you don't if you like to avoid conflict, but I thought that was interesting. And then he he mentioned how that anxiety personalities there are some very positive things to it, right? If you are a perf- perfectionist, you like to please, you're going to be responsible, you're going to be cooperative, thoughtful. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you can have high stress. You can have a lot of anxiety. You can, you could like go overboard with what you need to, to be able to do for performance wise. And so you can think about a child like this, a teen like this, 
a college student like this, and then of course going on into the adulthood, when these things haven't been, I don't want to say dealt with, but been addressed, and then um, some some kind of intervention is is in place or you know life skills. And for those of you who have kids, we we really need to pay attention because they are they're now a little bit more savvy at being able to express some of the things they couldn't as a, as a younger kid, but some things that we might, that they're not able to express, but we might be able to notice as parents is, you know, how they're sleeping and if they're having some kind of concentration or attention disorder, or they're even having worry or indecisiveness, like these could be putting them in the position of having more anxiety. And then they really go, he went into classifying anxiety disorders. So I'm not going to get into that part of it, but what I wanted to get into for, for the, like globally for young people, um, adults is how do we, how do we deal with anxiety when we feel it? How do we approach stress? Because it does seem like the world is just more stressed. And so there's, there's again, things that, um, are triggers for stress. And he mentioned this for kids, you know, and being exposed to violence is, is, is very stressful. That kind of um, exposure and there's, there's, you know, you can Google anything about how much exposure kids get to violence in just a video game or even in a cartoon, or it's just, it's so, it's so subversive and subconscious now that we don't even recognize it, but that is a pre precursor we're certainly a trigger for having um, more anxiety is that sense of that being exposed to violence or having trauma related or stressors that can feel very triggering. And, you know, our world between climate change and natural disasters and terrorism and poverty and all kinds of things, these are, these are real triggers for us daily and and we can't live with our head in a in a hole or you know like an ostrich covered in the sand and, and not be aware of the world around us because we need to be active global participants and advocates but it can be very heavy it can be very heavy to have all of that exposure and that if you are somebody who is more sensitive um that kind of biological sensitivity you might feel it in a different way than other people will even so this could be a trigger for it. There's other, so that's, I think for stress, it is, it is important to realize like, what are, what are the symptoms and what are the sources? Like, what are the causes of the stress? So one is that like, what are you exposing yourself to? So think about your daily life. If you are somebody who feels like you have a lot of stress as an expression of anxiety, what, what is your daily life like? Like, are you commuting? Are you at a job where there's a lot of hostile people or the environment is not friendly or not welcoming or, or very, you know, high performing and high expectation? And then, you know, after you are at work, when you come home, what is, what is that part of your day life? Is your home life stressful or is it more relaxing? And and then at night, are you sleeping? How are you? And then all the, during the day, like, how are you eating? How are you drinking? How are you moving? How are you breathing? So I would say just 
for as much as you can in an objective standpoint, examine your day and look at like all the possible sources of stress. And it could be just there are a lot, or it could be they're not that many and, you, and you're still kind of wondering why you're stressed. But I, I, I imagine most people are going to be able to find a variety of sources of, of stress. And so identifying them is actually helpful. It's, it's really helpful to see where some of um, the, the genesis of our stress or our emotional state begins. And this could be like you've been in these cycles, daily cycles, monthly cycles, yearly cycles, for, for a long time. So why not start now trying to improve them? Uh, I'm not suggesting, again, this is something that's just going to happen overnight. I am not um, ever going to blame anybody if they need medication. If you need medication because of a state that you are in physiologically and I'm not going to suggest that, but I think it is really worth it to do the work of examining the external environment that you're in and then and how that is affecting your internal environment. So what could be the possible sources or causes of your stress? Some symptoms of that. So are you irritable? <laughs> are you tired? Are you easily triggered by things, easily reactive to people or situations? Are you ever just finding yourself in a um, exchange with somebody or in a situation that you just don't even understand how you got into because it just snowballed into something? Um, Do you, you wake up in the middle of the night and have just your brain is just going, going, going. These are just some of the symptoms. I know there's other people that have more and I've, I've worked with a lot of people in, in privates and yoga and they'll bring up things and, the, and it, you can, I can see it like, oh my gosh, am I going to fall on my head when I do that pose? Am I going to do that? It's just, they're so fearful, so fearful of things that are, are not realistic. It's that not realistic. It's perceived threat. So what is actually a perceived threat that could be causing your anxiety? Um, it, what is it? Is it just a condition? You've been conditioned to have fear? Like were you raised in a family or caregivers that were constantly kind of checking in or on the opposite, didn't check in at all? And you kind of had your own high state of arousal all the time? So we, the work we have to do, the inner work we have to do, and I think um, any kind of movement practice invites this, this state of being, is observing. We have to observe ourselves. And that's why it might be kind of challenging, but also very interesting to think like, what do, from an objective standpoint, what does my day look like if I lay it out and the interactions I have and the, the environment I put myself in, what does that, what is that doing to my inner in, in, in internal environment. And so what would then be some of the things we can do to help, to help the stress, to help the anxiety, to help the perceived threats? That is the, the kind of solution. That's what he would say. You have the solution. So you have the sources, you have the symptoms, and then you have the solution. So what would be the solution? 
And again, a lot of this stuff, you you can look it up and it all makes sense. But first of all, identifying what, what it is, what, what are the symptoms, what are the possible sources, and then what are the solutions? So there's so many solutions for anxiety. Of course, there's breathing exercises. You can look those up. I mean, just they say taking three deep, full breaths already helps to reset the parasympathetic nervous system by stimulating your vagus nerve, getting the diaphragm moving in a way of taking, you know, just really resetting the high alert stage you might be in. So I think things like lifestyle, how are you breathing? How are you moving? I'll get back to moving in a moment, but how are you feeling yourself? Are you hydrating enough? Are you eating and not even realizing what you're eating? I mean, that's a, that's a symptom, I think, but it's also a trigger for stress. It's like when you're eating, but you're not hungry, you're just bored. Or when you're eating and you're eating because you're just trying to deal with this crappy state of stress. <laughs> you know, if people do that all the time, I'm stressed. And then they're like stuffing down crunchy things because there's something about the <laughs> just it's their way of dealing with it. So instead, take your time and eat a little bit and observe yourself eating. And everybody can take a few extra minutes when they're eating. Or see if you can go longer without eating and, and see if that, um, like that tri- that hunger is actually like, is true hunger? Or are you just trying to fill something in and, and differently? And then drinking a lot of water, keeping yourself hydrated. We need that water, or 60% water, of course, and we need that for um, to keep us feeling alert and awake and so we don't... Um, feel drowsy or tired or, and get, have that set us up for not feeling like energetic. We also need to know how to relax. And in that, the breathing will help with relaxing, but what else can you do to relax that actually wouldn't be stimulating? So sometimes just sitting and watching a movie is, is really not relaxing. If you've been anxious, you need to really just go and do nothing like close your eyes and meditate or sit in a bath or or walk in nature. It can be combined with something, but where there's not necessarily a purpose, like you're not constantly just going, going, going and um, having like this feeling that you always have something to get done. So in that, you want to have structure to your day, but you want to have in that structure time where you are relaxed. and and having a relaxation that feels right for you. So something that's relaxing for me is very different than what might be relaxing for you. So finding what that is. I would say set some limits on how much time you spend looking at the news, looking at media, looking at social media, looking at things that are stimulating or triggering that that fear, that stress, that anxiety. So I think it's really important that we do this for young children too. They're exposed to so much more than we want them to be. We don't, we can't just hover around and put co- controls on everything at a certain point, but when they're younger, we can, and we should, I think, because we want to keep them in, you know, younger for longer. I really think there's something to that. And then I think, you know, getting 
help or or in any way you need, whether it's talking with somebody, and this could be talking with a professional or talking to a friend and saying, you know, I'm really struggling now and I, I would just, I need an ear, I need a heart, I need a hug. Asking for help, asking for it so you're not in it alone. And go in nature. Nature is the biggest, most reasonably priced way to reset, to reset your nervous system, to reset your priorities, to reset the, like what world's about. Like, let's go back to nature. There's something so beautiful and poetic about that, but it actually really works as well. So go out and take deep breaths in nature and move. And so I'll end finally by saying um, movement, because movement, even if it's a small chunk of time that you're doing some movement, if you move, you're going to want to move more. And movement is the biggest healer because it will help you reset your nervous system. It'll help you reset your digestive system. It'll help you reset your cardiopulmonary system. You're going to breathe better. It'll help you reset your sleep. Sleep is so huge for anxiety. So you need good, good sleep so that you're not as triggered. And to sleep well, you've got to move well. It absolutely, things at rest will stay at rest, but they'll stay at rest a lot easier if there is an idea of what movement is first, right? So we need this full spectrum of moving, moving, resting, moving, moving, sleeping. So get up and move as much as you can. It really will help this feeling of anxiety and do everything you can to make that a priority. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm not a professional at all in terms of any kind of mental health counseling, but I can't tell you the number of people who have told me I used to have such anxiety and this practice has just brought me so much peace. I am a different person. So my own anecdotal study, I can tell you it works. It works. So please know that I'm pulling for you. Get help if you need it. We need to come together as a collective and help everyone, help all beings. When we help each other, we're helping ourselves. And we help. We, when we help other beings, we help ourselves as well. So get around some animals. There's nothing like lowering your anxiety and being around these innocent little fur balls who really need us. And so do all the things to make you feel better and know that I'm pulling for you. Move, groove, and love yourself. And let's help you and help others feel less anxious and much more hopeful in our world. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.